um, a series, a four-week series on Christmas and Advent next Sunday, but today we're wrapping up a two-week series that I've entitled Sacred Melodies. As I told you last week, we can hear the voice of God in our lives in a variety of ways. The Bible is the main one, and people read the Bible all the time, and they hear God speaking to them in the words of the pages of Scripture. That's a great way, but don't stop there. There are so many other ways. You can hear God through the words of a sermon, hopefully today. You can hear God through the voice of a friend, through creation, the heavens that declare the glory of God. And as we learned last week, one of the ways you can hear the voice of God is through the lyrics of a song. Last week, I played a music video for you from the group Iron and Wine, and this week, please enjoy this special live performance of a song, and then I'll preach on it afterwards. So take it away.
That was Pete, Joel, and Emma from our college group. Thank you so much. That was perfect. Many of you probably recognize that song from the show Sons of Anarchy. I'm sure you all watch that, right? All right, Tana. Yeah, I knew you did. <laughs> all right. Let's discover what God is saying through the lyrics and the, and the message behind this song, starting with this, the power of blessing. The Irish as a culture have this tradition where they speak blessing into people's lives, and they're famous for their blessings. I forgot to take the offering, so speaking of blessing, if you could bless the church by giving, that'd be phenomenal, okay? Sorry about that, all right? Some of the Irish blessings, their spoken blessings are poignant. Some of them are actually kind of humorous. Let me read a couple for you. May your troubles be as few and far apart as my grandmother's teeth. That's number one. May your feet never sweat. Never really had a problem with that, but may your feet never sweat. May your, never, may your neighbor never bring you a threat. When flowers bloom, I hope you'll not sneeze, and may you always have someone to squeeze. Isn't that a great blessing? And here's one. May the best days of your past be the worst days of your future. Those are the Irish blessings, okay? The song we just heard is actually a blessing that the singer speaks over the life of someone. And that's, a, that's an act that we're not that familiar with. It's a practice we're not that familiar with, but we should be because speaking a blessing to someone or over someone is quite powerful because words are powerful. Look at the words of Proverbs 18. It says this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. We have the ability to speak death and hurt and harm into someone's life or to speak light and life and healing into their lives. Words are that powerful. Or consider this, in Genesis chapter 1, there's this wonderful creation poem. And in the beginning of the poem, it says that God spoke all of creation into existence. By his words, something came out of nothing. In fact, ancient Christians believe that if God stopped speaking right now, all of the created universe would cease to exist. His words are what holds it all together. So yeah, words have power. No wonder the first, God, the first words that God spoke to mankind after they were created were words of blessing. In the garden, he blessed them and told them, be fruitful and multiply. The last words that Jesus spoke to his friends and followers before he ascended to his heavenly throne were words of blessing over them. God knows the power of words, the power of spoken blessing. Now, when we hear that word blessing or blessed, we tend to think of moments of happiness. Something good happens to us, we're so happy and smiling, we go, ooh, I'm, I feel so blessed right now. Well, that's a part of it, but there's actually far more to it than that. There are actually two words in the Bible for the word bless. The first one is found in the New Testament. It's a Greek word, and it's the word, I'll put them up on the board here, eulogia. It means to speak well of someone. It's where we get our word eulogy from, that, that moment in a memorial service or a funeral where you speak well of the departed. You don't shame them. You don't put them down. You speak well of them. Now, the Old Testament word, the Hebrew word for bless, is barakot, and it's related to the word brika, which means spring. Now, stay with me here. There's a reason I'm telling you, giving you all this, you know, language history here, because when you put these two words together, you get this beautiful definition of what it means to bless. To bless means you speak well of someone or to someone, and in that instance, a divine flow is released in them. A divine flow of life is released in them. It springs up in them, and their life is infused with holiness at that moment. And to speak blessing isn't something super spiritual or even difficult. To speak blessing to someone 
It's just to point out to them what we see in them or what we want for them or what's true about them. And when we do that, it's far more than a compliment. It's actually life-changing. Let me tell you how the simple act of speaking blessing to someone can change their life. First of all, it can heal their imagination. Psychologists posit, and I've told you this before, that 98% of our thoughts during a day are actually habitual. They're thoughts that we've mulled over in our mind before, and we rehearse them day by day. 80% of those thoughts are negative. So somewhere around 48,000 thoughts per day that we have are actually negative thoughts. And they can just be thoughts we have in a millisecond, but 48,000 negative thoughts. Many of those negative thoughts we direct towards ourselves because we actually are our own worst critics. And that's a, that's a difficult and dangerous trap to get into. Peter Senge, he's an MIT scientist, he says that when people imagine alternative futures for themselves, really positive change and transformation is unlocked in their life. And that's so true. In other words, when we stop thinking in such negative ways, especially about ourselves, we change, and we change for the better. So when we bless a person, when we speak blessing into their life, their imagination gets healed. They see the truth about themselves. They see the truth about their future and how it's bright and the darkness and despair dissipates in their life and they are changed for the better. It's a powerful thing, which is why so much of what we do, of what we accomplish, of who we become happens because someone spoke blessing into our life and it unlocked something for us. They said something that healed our imagination and released us into our true destiny, into the good dreams that God has for us. To speak a blessing does something else for some people too. It helps them to embrace their capacities. I helped out at a class that Derek Brando, I don't see Derek in here today, but Derek Brando, one of our members here, he teaches a class to, um, at the University of Oregon to, I think it's mostly to students who are in the journalism um, department there, and it's a class on confidence, and he asked me to help, and Jimmy was there too, and we just had a blast together. And it was interesting, as I talked to the students around this class, this class of about 25 or before, 25 or maybe 30, and I was so taken aback by the students, they were warm and bubbly and energetic and extremely intelligent, and yet they're signed up for a confidence class. And as I talked to them, I realized why they were signed up for a confidence class, because many of them lack confidence. They just don't have much of it. There can be a lot of reasons for that, but I think a big one is this. Most people, including these bright, energetic, bubbly, wonderful students, don't have enough people in their lives speaking blessing to them or over them. When we speak blessing to someone, it instills confidence in them because in the words of our blessing, they're also hearing the words of God. As we're speaking to them, God's speaking to them too, and he's saying, you listen to what this person is saying because it's true. This is the truth about your life. Now live it out. Live it out, okay? You can do it. Stop thinking about your limitations and instead embrace your capacity. God will speak that to them in the words of our blessing. And that's a holy, wonderful, joyful moment when you finally embrace your own capacities. 
There's a pastor I was reading about, I really admire him, and he was in the Detroit airport, and he was on one of those moving sidewalks, you know, those things that make you look funny because you can take really slow steps but still go really fast, and he was on them, and suddenly he had this moment of epiphany from God where he embraced his capacities, and he saw what he could really be in his life, and he was so excited, he just blurted out, he said, now with the help of God, I will become myself. Which made him look even more silly, because he's all by himself on the moving sidewalk. But he was just so glad to discover his own capacities and to stop letting his limitations stop him. That's what will happen when we speak blessing into someone's life. They'll stop with their limitations, and they'll instead start with their capacities and what God really wants for them in their life. I think that's one of the reasons God tells us to bless those who persecute us. What a weird verse that is, isn't it? Love your enemies and bless those who are making your life absolutely hell on earth. Bless them. Well, why would God have us bless those who persecute us? Because when we bless them, we are calling them into a better life than the one they have right now. The one where they just wake up every day thinking of ways to make us miserable. That's not a great life. When we bless them, something's released in them. They can see their capacities, and there's far more that can happen in their life than that. All right? I'll move on to the next point. Before I do, I just wanted to read you some examples so you can kind of get in your head what it's like to speak blessing to someone. This is by an author, and she speaks blessing over her children. She says this to her kids. May you engage with God's word throughout your life. May you be in community with other people of faith. May you dare to ask tough questions. May you be content not knowing all the answers. May you always be real before God in the joys and sorrows of living. May you be still enough to hear God's voice. May you have the eyes to see God's grace all around you and extend that grace to others. And may you ever rest in God's immeasurable, unchanging love for you. Can you imagine hearing those words from your parents? How impactful that would be? Wow, that's a life changer. Look at Numbers um, chapter 6. This is called the priestly blessing. This is actually a blessing that were spoken over the children of Israel, but not just them. These words are spoken over us. Hear these words of blessing spoken to you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That's what it's like to hear words of blessing, okay? Now let's move on. The second thing I want to point out of this song is the title, actually, Forever Young. And in fact, the singer sings this over and over again. May you be forever young. And that's a great line. That's actually a great blessing spoken to us as well. We are all getting older. Just had a birthday last week, okay? We can't do much about it. But when you're young, you can't wait to get older. Remember when you were little? It's been a while for some of us, okay? But remember when you were little? You, when you're young, you can wait to get older, old enough to go to school, and then old enough to drive, and then old enough to drink, and old enough to vote, and old enough to rent a car, which I think is like 40 now you have to be to rent a car. But then you get old, and you realize, oh, wow, this old stuff's overrated. This isn't all sunshine and rainbows here, okay? Everything sags and hurts and creaks. Your first step out of bed every morning, you feel like the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz that's been left out in the rain all winter to rust, okay? So we want to be young again. Once you get old, when you're young, you want to be old. But when you're old, you want to be young again. So you diet, you exercise, you put special creams on your face, you get elective surgeries, you inject yourself with 
awful chemicals, okay? All to recapture your youth, but it doesn't work. We get old anyway. So when you hear a song like Forever Young, you think, oh, that's a nice sentiment, but it's a pipe dream. It's nothing more than just wishful thinking. I am so excited to say this to you today. This is my favorite part of this message. No matter how old you are, you need to know this. We actually can be forever young. And Scripture tells us that. This is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's read this Scripture. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, we're getting old, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Our bodies are wasting away. They're getting sick. They're getting hurt. They're getting old, okay? They're even dying. But inwardly, we can stay young because God is renewing us. Basically, the scripture is saying we can all be young at heart. This is such great news because no matter how old you are right now, this is the truth about your life. Your best days are not behind you. I want to say that to you again because some of you are convinced right now my best days are behind me. That's never true with God. Your best days are never behind you. We have young hearts. We can still experience moments of wonder. We can still learn new stuff. Little fun facts. I just learned this. I'm 55 years old. I learned some new stuff in the past week. I learned that technically a banana is a berry. Did you know that? And technically a strawberry isn't. Who knew that? Okay, that amazed me more than it did you, evidently, okay? I learned about the star Andromeda. This will amaze you. Fun fact. There is a star that is so far away, its light takes 2.5 million years to get to Earth. Let me explain this in a way that will boggle your mind. So if you got in a car that could travel at the speed of light, which is 186 to 87,000 miles per second, if you got in that car and drove towards Andromeda, you would arrive there in 2.5 million years. 3 million if you have to take a lot of potty breaks, okay? That is far. Our universe is like huge. So we can still experience wonder. We can still learn new things. We can still be silly. We can still make new friends no matter what age we are. We can still achieve great things. Christopher Plummer, the actor that I so admire, won an Oscar at age 82. There's a, an author named Harry Bernstein. He wrote this amazing book called The Invisible Wall when he was 93. 93! And he could still write and have this vivid imagination. Moses was 80 years old when he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And if you've never heard of the choir young at heart, Google it today. The average age of the choir young at heart is 81 years old. And they perform in prisons and different functions all over the world now. Google their appearance on the Ellen DeGeneres show. You're welcome. It'll make your weekend, okay? And check out these verses. These verses out of Psalm 103, they show us the secret. They show us actually how we can become young at heart. This is Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfy your, your desires with good thing so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Wow. This verse describes a person that loves God, that worships God, that's totally into God. And there are so many benefits to having your life drenched in the divine like that. But one of them is your youth 
is renewed like an eagle's. What an odd phrase, isn't it? Have you ever thought about that? We just read this and we just let it go in one ear and out the other. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. Well, why not a squirrel? Squirrels look all young and chipper to me. Why isn't your youth renewed like a squirrel or your youth renewed like a mole rat or your youth renewed like a snake? You know, what's the deal with eagles? And then you study about them and you realize, oh, there's a reason you've never seen an old wrinkly eagle because there are none because they shed their feathers every spring and grow new plumage. Our hearts don't get old because the Spirit of God is at work inside of us renewing us day by day, growing new spiritual plumage inside of us. Check out these two words that the Bible uses in relationship to aging. It's the word nihos and kainos. Nihos is when something is new in relationship to time. Now stay with me here. This is going to be cool for you. It's new in relationship to time, like a new baby is born or you buy a new car. It's new in relationship to time. But kainos is different. It's when something is new in relationship to the purposes of God. And that has nothing to do with time. Think of it like this. Some things are new in relationship to time, and yet they seem old and tired right away. Like a new pop song about a breakup. Give me a break. Or a new movie about a comic book superhero. Technically, these things are new, but they seem old and stale right off the bat. Been there, done that, seen that already. But other things can be old, and yet they can seem so fresh and new, like clothing styles that were popular when your grandparents were in their 20s and have circled back around, and you're wearing that stuff right now. You're wearing your grandparents' clothes, basically. It's really old style, yet it seems so fresh and new. Or how about the song we listen to today? It's a new take on an old song written by Bob Dylan in 1973 when I was only in second grade, and yet it seems so new and so fresh. The point is we can grow old but still be forever young. There's something new and fresh that's always happening in our lives. Our best days are not behind us because we're people of kainos time. We're people where things are always new in relationship to the purposes of God for us. Is that like the best news ever for all you old people? Okay, now let's move on. Last thing about this song, being loved. There's an incredibly poignant line in the song that I'll pop up on the screen for us. May you always do for others and let others do for you. Most of us are pretty good about the first part of that line, may we always do for others. This faith community is full of generous, kind, loving, wonderful people. But the sticky part is we struggle with the second part of that, don't we? Let others do for you. For most of us, if you're like me, we struggle far more to be the helpy than we do to be the helper. I'd rather help you than have you help me. The worst thing in my life to me is when I feel needy at times, is to let others love me. Put a comma there, I'll come back to it. Loneliness is a growing problem in the United States right now, even amongst the young, which seems odd at first, but there's a reason I believe for that. And the reason is this, people are afraid to be loved. Many people I talk to are afraid to be loved. They're not afraid to love, They're afraid to be loved. They're afraid to let people close enough to them that they glimpse behind the curtain in our lives. They see the real us and what a hot mess our lives can be at times. And we're afraid to let people that close because we're we're afraid if they see the real us, they'll reject us, and we just can't handle one more rejection. 
And so we end up keeping people at a distance, which makes us lonely. Thus, the plague of loneliness. There's a show um, that's popular on Discovery Channel called Naked and Afraid. And if you've never seen it, um, I remember Harry Connick said that describes my honeymoon, (laughs) which is funny. (laughs) Okay, but it's not really true, okay? It's where two complete strangers come and they take off all their clothes on television, but you just see blurry parts, okay? Don't worry, it's not like R-rated. And they try to survive in the wild with a perfect stranger buck naked in their birthday suits while millions of people get to view their bare buttocks. That, to me, is my worst nightmare, I got to say. First of all, my wife would never let me do it. But second of all, if they said, hey, Tim, we've heard you're a pastor in Eugene, and we want you to become a contestant on Naked and Afraid, I'd say, no, just shoot me. I'd rather have me be dead and afraid than naked and afraid in front of millions of people. I'm just not going to do that. That is an absolute nightmare for me. But as awkward and frightening as that would be for most of us, it pales in comparison to our fear of vulnerability, our fear of letting people see the real us, to glimpse behind the curtain and to see us, who we truly, truly are. That's the true definition of naked and afraid for me. And yet that's where love takes us. Love takes us to this place of vulnerability where we not only dare to love others, but we dare to let them love us, the real us, warts and all. Maya Angelou passed away recently. She's this brilliant poet. You should read her poetry. Please do yourself a favor. And she said this about this vulnerability that I'm talking about. My great hope is to laugh as much as I cry, to get my work done, and to try to love somebody and have the courage to accept their love in return. That's the path God has us on. He does. He has us on this path where we are not only invited to love, we're invited to allow others to love us as well. Thankfully, we have some help here because this is a difficult path to make it on. I want to put up John chapter 13, 34. This is Jesus talking to his disciples right here. Look what he says. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, that's not just Jesus giving us direction and instruction for our life. That's Jesus saying this. Notice the order here. I love you, then you are released into loving others. When you're fully convinced of my love for you, then you can actually love others and have the courage to let them love you. Let me love you into love. That's what he's saying in this verse. He's our help on this tremendously difficult path of vulnerability. And this is actually what we're doing as a church right now. We're committed to doing activities and events and and get-togethers, having gatherings that will help us on this path of vulnerability where we not only love and serve one another, but we let ourselves be loved and served. That's church. That's church, people. All right? Let me pray for us.